This podcast is brought to you by Hound. Hound comments on style violations and GitHub pull requests, allowing you and your team to better review and maintain a clean code base. Try it now at houndci.com. Hold on, I have to make jokes on Twitter. There we go. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, oh, you delight me. Thank you. So delightful. So we're in, we're both in Stanley Disco. <laughs> what are the other names? I don't remember. That one just made me so happy. Frisky Dingo? Frisky Dingo was definitely one. Yeah, for sure. I like that one the best. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. How's your week been? Uh, good. Yeah. This has been the most responsible WWDC For ever. Sure. Yeah. I am an adult. Yeah. I haven't been hung over once. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't like agree with you. <laughs> I have been hung over. Gordon so. just put his hands in his lap. <laughs> right. And just looked down in shame. Yes. <laughs> you didn't even make it into WWDC week without being hungover. No, I was hungover during the keynote. Monday morning. You were the, literally the sweatiest I've ever seen <sighs> you. That was rough. That was really rough. I don't know. what. I still don't understand totally what happened there because I didn't actually drink that. I mean, I understand what happened like in that I drank too much and then was dehydrated and nauseous because of it. Like I understand that part. I don't understand why that actually happened, though, because I was drinking water. And I didn't actually drink a shocking amount of alcohol, and yet that was one of the worst hangovers I've had. Two things. One, that's not what Tony said. No. Tony said you had a lot of bourbon. A I lot. had Like I, an epic amount. I had some bourbon, and then the guy at the end of the night gave me a full glass of bourbon when I asked for not a full glass of bourbon. But I didn't even finish that. Like, I left it on... Like, I only drank half of it. Two. Okay. You're like 30 now. <laughs> sure. Right? That's fair. Chalk it up to shit happens? Yeah. I guess. That sucked, though. So we were over at, we were over at the Venmo offices watching the keynote, and it was just like this slow spiral for me. <laughs> where I got there, and I felt fine. And then just gradually over the course of the thing. And I was drinking a bunch of water too. That's the other thing is I drank two liters of water just during the keynote. Not like I only felt worse and worse and worse. I looked over at one point and you were fine. You were engaged. You were making jokes on Twitter. Everything was good. I looked over again later. You were out of that seat and sitting in a high chair in the back, in the back, just holding your head in your hands. And I'm like, (laughs) something happened. Yeah. 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 And then you were gone. Yeah. I just kind of I was like, well, it hit that music app, and I was like, I oh yeah, can't deal with this anymore. Like I was barely paying, I was barely able to pay attention to the stuff that I cared about, and then they got that music app, and I was like, I'm not sitting through this. I'm going back to the hotel room and sleeping. Same. So I did that, and then I felt okay after that, for the most part. Other than that, it's been good. So you missed the Swift going open source. I know, part which of the was keynote. crazy. Yeah. So last week you expected to be angry. How are you feeling? Oh, I listened to the last to the last show, and you said you honestly thought that, that you, so were gonna, you were just going to be angry. Yeah. How do you feel now? You thought 
what did I say? That I thought I was going to be angry because I didn't think that they were going to announce anything that was basically... Is that- no, I think you said you were going to be angry because they were going to announce sweeping changes to Swift. Okay, so they didn't do that. They They introduced new things, and I'm not angry. I'm perplexed, I think is a good word. I'm perplexed by some of the things that they added. The error, quote-unquote, errors, these aren't exceptions, please don't call them exceptions, that stuff. I'm not thrilled about that change. I'm having trouble coming up with concrete thoughts about why I'm not thrilled about that change. So so the change, if you don't, it's not even a change, it's an addition. So like any, basically what's been added for Swift 2.0 is that any operation that can error, JSON serialization, for example. And as JSON serialization, take this object, turn it into JSON, or take this data and turn it into an object. Um, those can throw errors. And so in Objective-C, we passed error pointers. Um, in general, that sucks. Um, and so pre-Swift 2.0, I think a lot of people, us included, have been using like a result type, right? Which is like a... It's like optional on steroids, basically, is how I tend to describe it. It's an enum with two cases, success and failure, both carry some amount of um, context. So, like, instead of just getting something or nothing, like with optional, you get something or the error for why you don't have something. It can be, like, a string or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Both cases have associated values. Yes. Instead of optional where it's just some. Yes. And so that's what, that's what I kind of like and i i've gravitated towards that style what they've added in swift 2.0 is different where instead you have an annotation inside the function signature that says something throws and if you have this throws keyword inside the function signature it means that this thing might error and now swift forces you if you're going to call that you have to prefix it with try so you have to do try foo and you have to do it inside a do catch block so it forces you to deal with this fact that you might have errors. And that's fine. But like the two problems I have with it is, one, it breaks a lot of composability. There's no way to – well, and, and part of this is this is intentional. One of the things that I've seen kind of passed around on Twitter and one of the things that I've seen people talking about, one of the things that I've kind of inferred from the conversations around this in the keynotes is that – the reason they didn't go with the result type is it's too easy to ignore the value or the error because like all result libraries will do a they'll have like a value accessor right where it provides like an optional value so if the the result is result of t and u then value will return an optional t does that make sense yeah so it'll just return the success state if it's there and nothing if it doesn't and so that makes it really easy to ignore those errors to a certain extent and just treat them more like optionals. And they didn't want that. They wanted to force people to use to deal with errors, which I get. But it feels like a very inflexible system. From what I understand, what's happening under the covers is when you do try foo, if foo fails, what actually happens is foo will throw an exception it's explicitly not an exception, although you treat them like ex- it's not an exception in implementation. It's an exception in practice is kind of the way I've been thinking about it. Because you throw these things and you catch these things. Under the covers, what's actually happening is essentially a result type. 
is that when you say throw my special error, what's actually happening is you're returning this error state. And when that try keyword sees that, it short circuits and it breaks out of the do block at that point and goes into the catch block passing that error state along with it. So what's actually happening under the covers is very, very simple. It's, it's early returns, essentially, inside a, like a block scope, mm-hmm. kind of, and then passing that error state along to the next thing. So it's like language syntax about executing a function that returns a result and then doing a switch on that result more, more and then or less, handling. More or less. It's, it's, it's some syntactic sugar around some stuff that you can do yourself fairly trivially, assuming you have the right types. But in this case, you lose the error type information. You lose the error type information. That drives me absolutely crazy. You just, I don't, I don't understand how you're supposed to know what type of errors are thrown. So you can do cool things on the error handling side of things. So the catch block, you can have multiple catch blocks, and you can do pattern matching on that. So you can like be like, catch these errors and do this, and catch these errors and do that. And that seems really freaking handy, right? Like if you're doing something where you have to. Um, relay information to a user, right? You need to put something visually on screen. Like, that makes sense to me. Like, catch JSON parsing errors and just say, like, I don't know, something went wrong. Or catch some explicit error, right, that the user can do something about and display this other message. Like, that is nice, except for the fact that there's nothing in the type signature that tells me any of that. Like, it doesn't tell me anything about what type I'm catching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's always typed as error type. It's always an error type. Yeah. It, it can't be anything that conforms to error type because it's always just going to be error type. No, no, no. It's, error type is just a protocol. So right. it is. That's... Yeah. So it's only ever something. It's just some random thing that conforms to error type. What does error type give you? Nothing. It's just a type. It's just an empty protocol as far as I know. Hold on. Actually, let me look. But as far as I know, it's an empty protocol. Yeah, error type is an empty, it's literally an empty protocol. It's just there for, I don't know, conformance. Yeah, Yeah, it's just there to say that, like, yeah, we want to treat this as an error type, which is nice. I actually think that's a good Mm -hmm. thing. So so the real difference here between swift errors and exceptions, so so I guess the problem is, is that they look like exceptions in that how, in how you have to deal with them, right? Yeah. That's the biggest problem. But the difference is is that a swift error will never bubble all the way up and crash your app. Right. right? Can't happen. Whereas, because where it, an exception will run all the way up and eventually hit something and yes. you're, you're done. Yeah. And the compiler, the compiler actually enforces you to, like, you can't just throw these things willy-nilly. You can't just throw ex- – uh, I, I keep – I'm going to say ex- – I'm going to say exceptions – probably for the rest of my life and know that's wrong every time I say it, but I'm just going to say it. You can't just throw exceptions whenever. You have to explicitly mark that function as throwing in order to be able to throw an exception internally. That's awesome. Like, I appreciate that. And on the flip side, you can't just use functions that might error or throw exceptions randomly. Mm-hmm. It, the compiler will force you and will say... You need to say try here, and you need to put it inside a do catch block. It forces you to deal with this fact, and I like that. I really appreciate that. But the lack of the type information at the end, like the lack of what kind of error this is throwing, drives me nuts. 
The other thing that drives me nuts is that basically, so basically what's actually happening here is something that is in, again, from my understanding as it is right now of what's going on under the covers with these, these do catch blocks, my understanding is that it's very, very similar to something in Haskell called do syntax in Haskell. So in Haskell, any monadic value, anytime you would use flat map or bind in Haskell, but anytime you'd, you'd have like a pipeline of operations, do this and do this and then do this and then do this, and you just like are passing the, the values onto the next one in the line. Anytime you have that, you can rewrite that in something called do syntax. And when you use do syntax, you just write do, and then each of those functions just gets its own line. And it implicitly passes the value from one to the next. And beyond that, it looks very, very imperative when you do that. It, it makes for a very imperative, like if you see do syntax in Haskell, it gets very confusing very fast because it looks like an imperative statement. There's even probably a return statement in there because return, but return does something different in Haskell. Return just is the same thing as pure whatever. But return isn't return. It's basically what it, it doesn't break execution. But in do syntax in Haskell, that works for any monadic value, any monadic value. So what, you know, what we have is optional. Maybe in Haskell works with that. Either types work with that, which is what we're using result for. Um, IO, uh, so disk access, uh, lists are monadic values. So anything that's a monadic value, you can use do syntax for. And what, it, what will happen is for some things like maybe or for either, they have a short circuiting behavior where if you do function, 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 if one of those functions returns nothing or one of those functions returns a failure state, it short circuits and doesn't execute the rest and the whole thing returns that failure state, right? That's very, very similar to what's happening here in Swift where it looks for things that throw and then if something throws, it exits and bounces out. Got it. So I think the most frustrating thing to me is that I look at this and it seems like it could just be a special, uh, a nice syntax for monadic values, right? Like you could just have result types that work inside do blocks, right? You could just write do syntax for result or, and then do syntax for, for um, optionals as well. And you could have this same behavior, but it's not that. It's not just a special syntax for this other thing. It's this super magic, it's like special cased into the language specifically for dealing with errors. And that's fairly frustrating. If I were to wrap a throwing function with my own function and I want to bounce that error through, can I do that? Or does it only ever bubble up one scope? You could rethrow it. I think you can rethrow it. Okay, so but I would still have to handle any possible so error. So your, your function your function would throw. Mm -hmm. And then say I, say I call through to like um, you know JSON object with data, which also throws. So 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 your function throws that function throws. So you do do try JSON object with data, catch, throw error. That's all you have to do. Catch okay. catch just the bare word catch is a synonym for catch error or catch let error. I don't remember what that syntax is like, but just basically catch all 
errors. And so that will let you – you can catch that error and throw it and re-throw it back up the line. Okay, got it. Uh, so are all Apple APIs that take an error pointer throwing at this point? Yes. Wow. For 2.0. I think it's it's part of their it's part of their swift conversion. As far as I know, like part of their swift conversion tool is like look for error pointers and anything that now takes an error pointer is now a throwing function. And, which is cool. And does it just lop off that error yeah. pointer argument? Mm-hmm. Interesting. As far as I know. Can you still use that? Error pointer? Yes. Or the old syntax? Can you still can you still use the old like unmodified function in Swift? Or are you forced to use throw? As far as I know, no. As far as I know, everything has been converted or is or will be converted by the time this is all released. And no, as far as I know, you have to use the throws stuff, the air handling stuff. Got it. You can still bypass that with try bang, right? You can you I can get around not ha- having to handle any thrown errors. I honestly don't know. Is there a try bang? I think there is. Keyword I mean, I can try to Let me go into YOLO.Swift real quick. So if I have a funk throwing and it's a string throws string, and then I can do foo try bang throwing foo. Sure, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. I didn't know there was a try bang. That's interesting. That's interesting because it lets you get around this stuff when it's like, yeah, if you just do try. Okay, but if you do that and it throws an error, do you crash at runtime? I'm assuming so. I, I'm assuming, I mean, that, that the bang suffix is fairly universally inside Swift. You're introducing a potential crash. So it would surprise me if that bang right there did not introduce mm-hmm. a crash if the error isn't handled. They're not helping themselves sell it as not exceptions then because they're just errors. It's also not helping this argument of like, well, result types are too easy to ignore the error on. It's like, bang. <laughs> like, <laughs> that just ignored the error, right? Well, I mean, they're yeah. right because you can ignore the result type and not crash. Right. Well, yeah. Okay. Sure. But that's exactly how... It, like, I'm not sure I want to crash if something throws an error and, like, you know, writing to disk failed. Like, well, it's just an error. Like, let me handle it. Why Why am I forced to handle it and, like, the risk of not handling it is crashing? Well, but you should be handling it, right? I feel like we han- we run into this on a regular basis where we always do this first pass <laughs> where where... We're just passing nil into all these error pointers constantly. You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like we do this constantly where it's like, for right now, we're going to throw nil in here and later we'll come back and, you know, we, sh- we really should be handling these errors. And so we'll come back and add some error handling later. So it's the threat of crashing that's, that's like the gun to your head forcing well, you to you do could it still, You could still have an empty catch block, I think. Which I think a lot of people will do. Sure. And that's the same thing as passing nil. But I think that's at least a more obvious that will stand out to me more in code reviews than just like especially since all those things that take error pointers, every one of those methods without fault is like 
300 characters long, right? And so it's like way off the edge of a GitHub screen or way off the edge of Xcode screen. And and nil is always the last thing. It's just kind of like you have to know to look for that. At least this is a better syntax in terms of like it's obvious that you're ignoring this. It's not it's not just like I'm passing nil to this so it's just silently being ignored. It's that like I'm explicitly ignoring this because I'm explicitly filling this out and not providing any implementation for the failure. Mm-hmm. So this question was raised on my team yesterday. When you're writing your own APIs, how do you know when to make something throw? For instance, you're writing an API client and you have a function that goes to the network to get something. And normally you would have a success closure and a failure closure. Do you now omit the failure closure and make it throw for failure? Or do you continue to have both closures and just let you deal with whatever you get back? My argument was to not throw because I feel like there are things that there's more that you care about there than just the error, like a response object. Right. So basically the question is, where do you draw the line now? Right. I don't want to use throwing. (laughs) It's what it boils down to. Like, I still want to use result. And I actually just, the 2.0 branch, not even the branch, master, antitypical slash result, the kind of, I think, fairly de facto default for result type stuff, um, is 2.0 on master right now or it supports 2.0. So they got rid of box, which is like sweet. And I added two functions yesterday. I added two functions to result, materialize and dematerialize. Materialize takes a function that throws and returns a function that take that returns a result. Does that make sense? So it transforms a function that throws into a function that returns a result type instead. And then I on the flip side of that, wrote there's a function. These weren't my ideas. I just stole them. <laughs> it's like they got sent to me on Twitter, and so then I implement that, implemented them, and then, you know, whatever. They were actually from uh, Radix on GitHub. I don't remember his name, and I'm probably not going to be able to. Yeah, Radic Pietrosowski. Nailed it. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, Radix... R-A-D-E-X-P on Twitter, Radix on GitHub. Both of these were his idea under the different names, transform and extract, and then we rename them to materialize and dematerialize. But materialize transforms a function that throws into a function that returns a result value, and dematerialize returns, gets the value from a result type, and throws the error if it doesn't exist. So it it becomes a throwing operation, uh, like instead of just value, which returns an optional of the success case, this returns the success case or throws an error if it doesn't. So there are ways to go to and from result now in this same. So you have a result type. You just do dot dematerialize. Yeah, as a function call. And let x equal result dot dematerialize will, well, try let result equal dot. Okay, there it is. Okay, so you still have to have that then in a do catch. And then if, yes. if the result is an error you, you will the catch error. the error okay yeah okay mm-hmm. that makes sense cool but so i still prefer that like i still think that that's the way to go and i'd be surprised if like honestly i would be surprised if this isn't one of those bits of api that changes fairly drastically between today and the fall 
the lowest of the low-hanging fruit here, I think, is the addition of error type in the type signature. I think it's weird that it isn't there right now. I think it absolutely would make more sense. So two things that I think are weird about this API right now is where that keyword comes in the function. It's after the first argument. So when I read it, so if you have a function from string to string, it's so two being the arrow, right? String, arrow, string. Now it's string throws arrow string. It's like weird. It's like inside the argument, not the return value. Like it would make more sense to me if it was like string to string throws special yeah, error. Yeah, it does seem right? like it should come after the return type. Yeah, and then that gives you a position to add the return, add that type, the whatever type that it's going to throw. You know what I mean? So you say string to string to string throws string error. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that reads nicely. Yeah, it makes more sense and gives you more context. And, like, we could do more with that, right? Like, these result transformations right now rely on error, the error type. We can't transform these throws functions to an error type. But if you have that error type in the type signature, which, again, it's weird. It's, there's nowhere else in Swift, the entire language, where this is true, where you just have this implicit type that's going to exist at some point in your function. Like, what? Yeah. It's bizarre. It's really, really weird. So it wouldn't surprise me if over time, short period of time, this changes and this gets fixed. Fixed, right? Every time I talk about this, like, one of the frustrating things for me is, like, every time I talk about this, I find myself very, very quickly just booting directly into, well, I really just wish it was Haskell mode. <laughs> like, and it drives me crazy that that is my stance on this because that shouldn't be what I hope for. I should hope for Swift to be the best language it can be. But deep down, I really do want it to just be Haskell. <laughs> or I want it to be closer to Haskell, I guess. I really like Swift, and I really like a lot of things about Swift, but I do think that they can pull heavier from the functional world, especially in this case. Like, I think that result, like, yes, it's easy to ignore, but... There's only so much of that, I think, that you can force on people. Because the flip side of that, like, here's the, here's, the, here's the exact opposite argument, is, like, I was yelling very, very loudly when Swift first came out that array subscripting should be return an optional. Dictionary subscripting returns an optional. So when you access a value out of a dictionary, you get an optional value back, right? Dictionary string foo returns an optional whatever right but array subscripting just blows up it just explodes if you get if you access something out of bounds it just explodes why right like why is that why like why not just return an optional that's clearly something that should return an optional i'm accessing a subscript there might or might not be a value at that point just return optional value. And the only answer I ever got was, yeah, but people are gonna, aren't going to like that because that makes it too hard to deal with subscripting. It's like, yeah, but the alternative is just crashing, right? Yeah. I guess their reasoning there is that because the subscripting keys in an array case are sequential, it's easy enough to guard the whole statement in a safe way. Whereas with, with a dictionary access, what are you going to do? Like, like, how would you... You're going to check to see if the dictionary contains the key before you access it. 
you know, I can at, at the very least I can at least go if this index is less than the array count, do it. But so, but so since it's that simple, why not just do that as part of the implementation? And we've written this implementation. Like I actually, there's a there's a really interesting thing where you can add a you can do labels inside the subscripting syntax. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Did you see that tweet go by the other yeah. day? So like if I do subscript, you know, so subscript normally takes an index. If I write another subscript and then that subscript function gets turned into the subscripting syntax with the brackets. If I write another subscript function that takes that has a required label, external label, for example, safe, then I can do my array bracket safe colon four bracket and I can have that return an optional value. And it's like, that's a really cool little trick there where it's like, just insert that safe keyword into the subscripting and now you're going to get a... But so, like, given that it's that simple, why not just have that be... Like, again, if your argument for not using result is that it's too easy to ignore ignore the error cases, this is clearly a high traffic... Like, this has got to be a high profile source of crashes. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah. Like, yes... It's very easy to do that, but there's state and time involved in that. Like, you may check it, and then some background thread could theoretically mutate that array out from under you if you've just got a reference to it, whatever their copies in Swift, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, there are other things that could happen here that could cause that check to not work. Or simple off-by-one errors where you're checking the count that the index is greater than the count and so that the index is greater than equal to the count. Those are basic things that can go wrong, but, like, they're simple typos. Why not just give me an optional and just protect me from that typo? And then mm-hmm. then I'm at least forced to deal with the fact that I have an optional. Yeah. That does seem like a decision that was made because they thought it would be difficult before yes. before they you had things like no coalescing. I mean, they had optional chaining in... 1.0 of Swift, right? I think all of that. No coalescing, coalescing was in 1.02. 1.1, I think. For, was it really? For no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you could do question mark, question mark, and a default value in 1.0. I think we had to wait for that. Hmm. That, that does that seem like something where, like, if they had no, nil coalescing at the time, they would just be like, well, it's fine, because you're just... You're providing default value. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. There's this weird mix right now between... There's a, there are arguments that I don't fully understand. There are a bunch of arguments that are like, you know, we're doing this because it's easier, and then other arguments that are like, we're doing this because it's harder. Like, that's the argument for, as, as far as I understand it, the argument for this try-catch block instead of a result is that it's harder. It's a harder it's, – it's more work to get around that or explicitly adding bang and so mm-hmm. opening yourself up to crashes. Yeah. So that turned into a whole talk about errors, but that's awesome. Because uh, now we can do like a whole series on new Swift features and yeah. pretend like we had this planned the entire time. Sure. <laughs> that sounds good. I can tell you about real quick about this, this compiler bug. Okay. Because I'm segfaulting the compiler on result right now. Nice. <laughs> Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> uh, basically, I don't actually know. I, I have to submit a radar uh, after we're done here. But there's a bug right now around multiple enums with multiple payloads where shit i don't even know how to boil this down it's enums with multiple payloads 
where one of the payloads has a type constraint. So like either or result where the error case conforms to error type combined with a function that like a generic function that returns that explicit type. So result, I have a gist of the bug that I'm going to submit to Apple. But so like I have a function pure, which takes a value and wraps it in either, right? So I have an, I have an either type with a left case and a right case. The left case is, has a type constraint of foo, which is just some empty protocol. The right case is just some type. And then I have a function pure that takes a value of type T and then returns an either foo T. So all it does is return that right case, returns that value wrapped in right. Okay. That causes a seg fault. And it's a combination of the type constraint on either, the type constraint on the payload, not even the payload that I'm touching, the other payload. It's, it's a combination of the type constraint on the payload and the generic in the function. Because if I remove the generics from the function, then it's fine. Or if I remove the type constraint from the payload, it's fine. It took a little while to boil it down to that. Because this is, this is actually crashing. There's a seg fault and result on master right now because I've merged in that. It was from that materialize. So this is, this is boiled down from materialize, which is transforming a function into... So result now has a type constraint on the error case that the error case needs to conform to error type. And then materialize, again, we don't know what kind of error we're dealing with. So the only thing I can say is that it returns a result of T and error type, right? Does that yep. make sense? Yeah. And all of that together. <laughs> so I'm going to have to file a radar for that. This is very frustrating. I think I'm going to have to pull materialize out of result because it's just, you can't build it. It seems like a problem. Yeah. Anyway, so now we can wrap it up. Okay. Show notes can be found at buildphase.fm slash 85. As always, we'd like to hear from you, so email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. Also, ratings and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated. All right. Cool, good show. Yeah. All right, See later. You.